Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a podcast1.com production. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. ClarkDeals.com is our bargain site. And speaking of bargains, we're kicking the clark moment to the curb today, and we're going to talk about deals for Mother's Day. Now, why would I talk about Mother's Day this far ahead? Because to get deals and to show you are thinking ahead, you want to buy all the deals that are available now way ahead of time for mom. So I'm going to give you that in just 20 minutes. And later this hour, the Department of Veterans Affairs is going to send, the VA is going to send veterans who they are not getting to, not serving in VA facilities, they're going to send them to nurse-in-a-box places. I'm going to share how I feel about that coming up in a half hour. Right now, I want to talk about something that may seem trivial, but it's one of those things that really appeals to people. And it involves what razor you buy. And I told you two weeks ago that we were going to try an experiment across my radio, TV, and digital staffs. And so we had 12 volunteers who agreed to put to a test a shaver that I bought at Dollar Tree, two for a dollar, so 50 cents a blade, to compare it to what each of us was used to using. And we would have had more than 12 testers, but several people begged off and didn't want to be part of this test. Yes, shaving was too personal to them. Wouldn't do it for you. What does that say they wouldn't do that for you? But anyway, what we then did is, after the two weeks, had a secret ballot for people to vote by letter grade how they felt about the 50-cent razor from Dollar Tree versus, you know, people spend up to $6 a blade buying Gillette blades. Six. So you could buy 12 of these at Dollar Tree for what you pay for the one Gillette blade. Gillette, though, is no longer the powerhouse they were. Their market share keeps collapsing. And razors, because they're so expensive, and there are so many much more affordable choices, Dollar Shave Club and Harry's really affecting their business, and uh, Schick not really going anywhere in the market, not really growing, not really shrinking. The Korean seller Dorco selling more and more in the United States, D-O-R-C-O, I use a Dorco blade normally. And so we compared what's known as the Relia Shave six blade that comes in blue for men, pink for women. And 
the responses from the staff were all over the board from A to D. It was one D, one C plus, um, overwhelming A's, a few B's. Average rating when I averaged them all together, math is a skill I have, B plus. Now, the razor I use is definitely an A+. The Dorco razor I use is fantastic. This, to me, was not fantastic, although most of the testers thought it was. And this Relia Shave has a cult following among value- or bargain-oriented people, our producer Kim being one, one of my brothers being another, And it is one that there's a buzz about using this six-blade razor. So for me, as cheap as I am, I'm going to keep using my roughly a dollar a blade Dorco. Because even though I'd give the, the razor probably a B, that's what I gave it on the test, and... Joel gave it a C plus. What do you usually use? Uh, so I don't even normally use a, a bladed razor. I use like a trimmer because I, I don't. I don't know. I just don't like to get out the shaving cream and and do the whole rigmarole. Uh, but I've I've I use some of the the dollar store or, or the the cheap razors that you get like a six pack of the disposable razors. That's what I usually use when I do want to shave down all the way. And I liked this razor, and my little cheap heart wanted to love it. I wanted to think it was the best thing ever, but it, it just it just pulled on my hairs too much. Uh-huh. It just wasn't the best shave I've had. And interestingly enough, this is a personal thing because most people didn't feel that way. Most people really liked it, but then one person gave it a, a flat out D, hated it. Yep. So no Fs though. So my advice, based on our test is that it's worth spending a dollar. So remember, you get two of them. If you don't like them, just throw them in your suitcase when you travel so if you forget the razor you love, you still have something to shave with. Again, the Relia Shave six-blade razor. And if you love it, then you're only spending 50 cents a razor moving forward. The one thing you shouldn't do is keep spending a fortune with Gillette. It's your money, but do you really want to spend all that much money on it? And by the way, on my Dorco, I'm now five months into using the same blade. And all you have to do is dry your razor after each use and do not leave a razor in the shower where it stays moist. It'll deteriorate. You're throwing money away. And at the very least, you should be able to get a few months out of each blade you buy simply by drying it between each use. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jim. Hello, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How are you doing? I am just tickled to be talking to you. My wife thought I was pulling her leg when your staff reached out to me. So uh, thanks. Uh, You have a great staff, by the way. Well, thank you. You had posted on uh, Clark.com, and so here we are. Yeah, well, my question, Clark, is there was an app that came across my uh, my desk here, and it has to do with uh, 
uh, insurance. You basically uh, sign up for it via your smartphone, and then you can make claims through it. And if there's anything, any differences left over, they put the difference towards the charity of your choice. I don't know if you've heard about that or not. Yeah, in fact, I talked about it before when it was only available in New York. And is it available in more states now? I believe so. So it's almost, to a sense, like a co-op for insurance. And... Basically, again, I just saw the video, and it, you know, you know, would let you. Basically, their their pitches, you know, they're not a mortar and brick store, so therefore they can offer you a cheaper rate, so you can get like a renter's uh, policy or a traditional homeowner's policy. All right. So I'm and reading. It says it's available now well. in New York for renters, homeowners, and condo insurance, and offering renters insurance in Illinois and that they're going to be adding other states this year. So So I was just curious as to what your thoughts were, you know. So what they do is it was started by people who just thought the traditional homeowner's insurance model in the U.S. was broken. And so what they do is they act like a storefront and sell you the insurance for your home or condo, And then they turn around and sell off the risk of a claim into what's known as the reinsurance market, where normally an insurer would shoulder a certain amount of the risk, and then they sell off the rest into the wholesale market, the reinsurance market. They do the whole thing as basically reinsurance. And so they take 20% as their part for selling you the insurance, and then the rest of it is to make sure that the claims are paid. And if your claims overall end up being less than expected, they give the rest away to charity. So it's it's almost like a co-op for insurance. Okay. So how it's going to work over time... How it's going to work over time, I have no idea, Jim. But the idea was obviously very intriguing to me, which is why when it first launched in New York State, I talked about it even though it was only available in one of the 50 states. So what do you think? I I can see how it appeals to millennials. You know, I ran it by my kids. I'm a... Uh, a bit older, so but uh, you know I'm always looking for a deal, and uh, you know I, I I I could I could see their pitch, but uh, well, you know it's going to take people. Ahead. It's going to take people that are willing to experiment and take on something new in order to be the guinea pigs to see if it is something that over time, as claims come in, will actually work out like they are saying. And if you want to see more about it, go to Lemonade.com. Liz is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Liz. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. You just sold your home. I did. How did it go? It went really quickly and really smoothly. Wow. Isn't that every homeowner seller's dream? (laughs) Yes. 
Well, how can I be of service now since you were successful? Well, unfortunately, we haven't found a house to buy yet. So right now we're staying with family until we find the perfect home. And I have about $20,000 that I made off the sale. I'm wondering what I should do with that money until we find a home. You simply put it in what I call a parking space in one of the online banks that you link to your regular checking account, wherever you have that. And you can earn about one and a quarter percent right now on that money. And that's really the best you can do with money that you're just parking for a while. But it's available to you instantly whenever you need it. Usually it takes 48 hours for it to redeposit into your regular checking account. Mm -hmm. But you can't do any investing with that money. You have to just put it and let it sit and earn what little interest you can. Okay. And one and a quarter is much better than what you're going to find if you were instead to just stick it in savings at your bank or credit union, wherever you are now. All right. So in the online banks, as long as one's FDIC insured, you got nothing to worry about. You're protected to a quarter million which is what I'm sure you wish there was a zero added to the cash you had from it. (laughs) But you you have what you have. You want to have it be there safe for you when you do pounce on a new home and make an offer. And Bankrate has the best tool I know to find the best rates on savings in the country. So if you go to bankrate.com, you'll see a thing for savings. And I think savings and money market may be what it says. You click on it, and it'll show you the list of the best offers in America today. All right. Thank you so much. Congratulations to you on your home sale being easy and quick. Usually I don't have that to say after selling a home. So now you would normally be hearing a Clark Rageous moment. But instead, we're going to talk sizzling deals for Mother's Day. Show that you actually didn't scramble at the last second for getting mom and do something for her. Target today is offering their beauty box, which includes a bunch of skincare and makeup stuff. I'm, I'm such a guy. Anyway, it's $7 free shipping at Target.com. If you have trouble finding it, we have a link to it from Clark Deals. Walmart has their regular beauty box. If you want to send mom something every month, it's $5 a month. You can set it up and you'll get a different beauty box every month. And Krista, I am so impressed with what you're doing to have time with your mom. Well, you know, I had to make a a business trip and I decided to tack on to the end of it. I ended up finding I could switch my flight and there was a really cheap, cheap sale for the return. So I'm just going to buy that for myself and um, go see her. It's a week before Mother's Day. So we're going to go out for either a much less expensive brunch or make it at home because Mother's Day brunches are insanely expensive and it is so crowded. Yeah, you have to hate yourself going to a Mother's Day brunch. Oh, it's awful. And I'm going to buy her flowers at probably a grocery store when I'm (laughs) before I drive down to see her. So, um, So yeah, and she's super excited. She doesn't care that it's not Mother's Day weekend. That's perfect. And by the way, Woot.com, W-O-O-T.com, 
that normally only has one item for sale a day is doing a sell-through kind of thing with a lot of items that are from Mother's Day and for other things. If you're not familiar with Woot, it is a clearance site or bargain site of Amazon. They don't ever want you to know it's affiliated with Amazon because they're selling things generally much cheaper there than things would be on the mothership on Amazon and usually things they're trying to get rid of. Well, So they got all different kinds of items that would be appropriate for mom, including others you might want to just buy for yourself. So if you go to Woot.com, skip past the daily deal, scroll down, and you'll see the hundred items that they're trying to get rid of in different categories. And so you can go ahead and take care of mom now. Remember, advanced planning is the key to getting something more thoughtful for mom and getting a better deal on it at the same time. To, to me, that's a great twofer. You know, if you're looking to buy paper towels or a can of beans, knowing what other people paid for them isn't really that important. Paper towels, it's beans. But for a big purchase, like a car, that kind of information isn't just helpful, it's essential. Well, with TrueCar, you can do just that. You see, TrueCar lets you see what other people in your area paid for the car that you're looking to buy, which will help you determine a fair price. And the best part? You can work directly with a True Car certified dealer to establish a fair price before you even show up on the lot. Yeah, that's right. True Car certified dealers have all the same information you do and are just there to help you get the car you want while offering you a faster, easier buying experience. Who doesn't want that? And knowing what others have paid has helped True Car users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that car, there's only one place to go. Visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. You can get it at TrueCar.com or the super easy to use TrueCar app. Some features not available in all states. Glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you keeping more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. Clark.com slash ask to ask your questions. The VA is much in the news over the last few years for disrespecting our veterans, for failing to provide proper medical care, keeping people waiting an inordinate amount of time for care, costing some veterans their lives and their health because of the extreme delays in getting care. It is, to me, a slow-motion national scandal. And it the VA continues to have trouble getting people seen in a reasonable period of time and now has taken a lot of heat for something that I think is a creative, out-of-the-box idea. The VA has entered into a a deal with CVS, the drugstore chain that has those nurse-in-a-box places where starting as an experiment, and they'll see how it goes, In Phoenix, if someone has a very minor, what appears to be a very minor illness, the VA will offer the option of referral out to a CVS clinic and will pay for your care through the CVS clinic with a registered nurse. And I think this is great. I Over the years... My children have gone repeatedly 
in the evening or on weekends when their regular pediatric practice isn't open, they've gone to nurse-in-a-box places. I know that I've had Clark Stinks about using the term nurse-in-a-box, but that's how they're called. So Walgreens has these, CVS, others offer these, and for minor illnesses, you get seen pretty quickly. Many of them now offer you the ability to make an appointment for a set time. You don't sit there and cool your heels. When you have an appointment, you are seen within a couple of minutes of your appointment time. And I have found the caliber and quality of the medical care from the nurses in these facilities to be top drawer. And the nurses are smart enough that when there's something that they feel requires a greater deal of attention, maybe a trip to a hospital emergency room, they say it. They don't fake it. They say it. And so I think the VA doing this is very reasonable. And if you've heard me talk about this in the past, I believe very strongly that nurse practitioners and physician's assistants are the key for us improving the, the caliber and quality and accessibility to medical care in the United States because we have an extreme shortage that the numbers looking forward are even more severe of primary care physicians. And we are only going to fill that gap with other medical professionals that are there to serve people. So I know there are people who are not happy at all about this, but I think this is a great pilot program. And I think for you, if many people don't have a doctor or a pediatrician, And you think, oh, well, I guess we'll just go to the emergency room. Bad idea. And I know the big thing now with the emergency rooms is they're all posting on those electronic billboards, come now, three-minute wait to see somebody. But many times, the emergency room is not where you want to be, even if you have insurance, because the cost that you end up out of pocket is so extremely high and most things people go to the emergency room for are not emergencies but you don't know where else to go so one place you should think about is somewhere else to go is think about excuse the term if you don't like it the nurse in a box where magically you can see right on the screen when you go to sign in the cost for every service they offer. Julie joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Julie. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Julie, you have a question for me about investing. Correct. Um, I had a salesperson come and talk to me about Primerica, and um, I want to save as much money or, like, make as much money I can the last 10 to 12 years of my working career. And so I had, um, I'm switching jobs, and my um, Roth 
was sent back to me. So it's like not $3,500. And the guy was telling me that um, I shouldn't even like keep my money, roll my money over to the 401k plan, even though it's going from a fidelity to a fidelity, and that I should invest in them. But I didn't seem very positive about his speech, so I wanted to know what you know about Primerica. He just didn't seem to be up to speed on what would be the best or way for me to make money in the next 10 to 12 years. All right, so Primerica is a company that has uh, commission salespeople that sell typically term insurance and mutual fund investments. And right. I don't need any insurance, really. I'm so sorry? I don't need insurance. Right, but the individual you were meeting with was talking to you about uh, potentially mutual funds for the money that you have from your old employer? Right. Okay. And so, I, should, I should invest in. All right. So my advice would be even, uh, I'll talk about Primerica in a second, but if I got this call from most anyone and you had money in a 401k plan with your old employer, it, you said it's with Fidelity, your new employer right. uses Fidelity, keep it simple, put that money in your new employer's 401k plan. Okay. Now, when you got that check, though, did they hold back 20% of your money? No, $19. <laughs> Only $19. All right. So right. you need to redeposit that money within 60 days of the date on that check. Okay. And redeposit it if the new employer will permit you which normally they will, to put it in their 401k, also managed by Fidelity, that's where it should go. Yeah, and I think the only reason they sent me the check is because it was for a Roth and not... A Roth 401k? Yeah. So that would not make a difference. The key is when you have less than $5,000, your old employer can choose to just send you a check for your account. Oh, I see. I see. Gotcha. So if your new employer offers a 401k but not a Roth 401k option, Uh you don't want to move it to them even though it's fidelity to fidelity. Okay. What you would do in that case is you would best be served taking that money and putting it in a Roth IRA. But that's only if the new employer does not offer the Roth 401k option. Okay, I'll need to check that out. All right, so let's talk, and remember, you got to move on a timely basis with this. Okay. So let's go back to the Primerica question. So Primerica is a commission organization. So the costs doing your Roth IRA with them, because that's what you'd be doing, you'd be taking the money and putting it into a Roth IRA, right? their costs are going to be higher than they're going to be with one of the commission-free companies. So it doesn't necessarily mean they're bad or good. It just is different. So if you want somebody to handle it for you and you not have to worry about it, that's why you would pay somebody to do that for you. Now, you, though, didn't express a lot of confidence in the individual you talked to. No, I don't have a lot of confidence. If you don't have a lot of confidence in that individual, it wouldn't matter what company they're with, 
you don't invest with that person. Okay. Now, if you do end up in a position where you can't put money into the 401k where you where you now work because they don't offer the Roth option and you need to put it in a Roth IRA, the easiest, simplest move would be to contact Fidelity and give them the money, since you're already familiar with them and you'd have your new 401k with them, and you just have them do the Roth, Roth IRA for you as a companion to the 401k you'll be doing with your new employer. Okay, that makes so I think, sense. I think regardless, the answer that makes the most sense in your case is you stay in Fidelity's house, whether it's in a Fidelity Roth IRA or you move it into the Fidelity-administered 401k if they have the Roth option. Okay. Okay? All right. Thank you. Sure. Have a great day. Daniel's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Clark. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Great. Thank you. And Daniel... This is exciting. You have a car that's now 14 years old? I do, I do, yes. And does the teenager still love its parent, or has it reached normal teenager status? Uh, You know, it's remarkably uh, lacking in any kind of the usual rebelliousness, a very well-behaved vehicle for a teenager. Well, that's perfect. Well, how can I be of service to you with it? Well, so this sort of addresses a philosophical question that applies, I guess, to max savers, which is that we get used to a many years of frugal living, and then when it comes time to loosening the purse strings, potentially we have trouble doing so. So the situation here is that uh, you know this vehicle is very reliable. It only has 83,000 miles on it, and it runs fine. Uh, but um, You said 83,000 is all it has? Yes, yes. So you're traveling on average 7,000 miles a year? Yes, yes. I I don't do a lot of driving. I do a lot of uh, public transportation and um, make use of ride-sharing and so on. I I don't actually like driving that much unless I'm on the open road and I live in a big city where I don't enjoy driving so much. Okay. So... The question is, you know, other people in my life have started to tell me, uh, you know, even though this car would probably perform fine for many years to come, and my natural frugal inclination would be to continue uh, driving it, uh, others have said this is an example where it would make sense to kind of pony up, because I could afford to um, essentially buy any car I want, uh, because of uh, perhaps safety concerns, that that would... uh, uh, be a counter-argument to the frugality issue uh, because newer cars are much safer than a 2003 vehicle would be, and that would be a good argument for ponying up some extra dollars. And I wanted to see if you think that's true. All right, I love so, the way you a, think because yeah. you hate spending money. I can tell. I hate spending <laughs> Yeah. So the safety issue is a real one. No doubt that uh, almost a decade and a half later, Vehicles are significantly safer in so many respects than the one you have that's 14 years old. On the other hand, Mm -hmm. when you start calculating levels of risk, if you look at it uh, mathematically and not looking at it personally, Mm -hmm. the reality is you drive so few miles a year that 
the enhanced risk you face with a 14-year-old vehicle is not enough that would make it logical for you to replace the vehicle because the concern about safety features. I see. So the answer to your question is, if you want a new vehicle, you obviously can afford it and you've gotten enough use out of this vehicle. So if you're ready to move on from it, go ahead and move on from it. But it's still, even though it's got the years on it, it's still relatively a baby with 80,000 miles on it. So this is all personal preference here. Yes, I was going to ask, do you know if there's a particular year when there were, you know, because I would probably, if I were to buy a newer car, I would probably buy a few year old car, not a brand new one. Do you have any personal view on a particular year where there were major advances in safety, where it would make sense to target at least that year, or is it kind of a linear progression? Well, no, the, the, the inflection point is when electronic stability control became common, and the other steps since then are more incremental. But as an example, the uh, backup cameras are fantastic, an incredible safety feature. Yeah. And yeah. cars in the last two to three years have cross-traffic sensors that will alert you uh-huh. where there may be a vehicle in your blind spot you don't see. So it, mm-hmm. it's really up to you because, I mean, you fast forward another five years And we may have half the vehicles on the road that are fully autonomous or semi-autonomous. And then you're at a whole different level of safety features. So this is truly a personal choice on your part. Once you get past the point of, I'd say, electronic stability control, anything else is just gravy. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks it for you. Yeah, Clark Lalit wrote in and said, I just saw a story recently about a company called Rapify. I wanted to get your thoughts on how reliable that service is. Okay, Rapify is the first legit advertising deal where you get paid to have your car wrapped with advertising And as you drive around, people see the rolling billboard that your car has become, and they are small at this point. You sign up for them like Joel did, and you have an app on your phone. They track where you drive and how you drive and how many miles you're, how many hours a day you're on the road. Then they decide if they're going to pay you to wrap your vehicle. And Joel, so far, not a penny for you. They haven't wanted you. I know. I'm bummed. So they don't disclose where they are offering advertised cars around the country, I guess, in case they're worried about some competitor coming along. But they're they're the only show in town these days. And no money is exchanged by you to them. It's the other way around. The others that you see out there are all bogus. All right, Crystal wants to know, what are your thoughts on using SoFi for credit card debt payoff? Well, you're not actually paying it off. You're refinancing if you use SoFi. And if SoFi offers you a significantly better rate than what you have with who you owe credit card debt to, go for it. In addition, price your debt at Lending Club or Prosper in addition to pricing it at SoFi. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. 
When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. The folks at Podcast One want to say thank you for listening to this show. We also would like to ask a small favor of you. It'll take you less than 10 minutes, and if you're one of the first people who does it, we'll even give you something for doing it. We want you to complete a short survey for us because we need the information you give us to help make things better every day. Just go to podcastone.study and everything will be right there for you. That's podcastone.study. The first 250 people that go and complete the survey will get a $25 gift card to Restaurant.com. And there's a chance to win an additional $250 Visa gift card. All of our shows are supported by advertisers, and filling out this survey will really help us out. So please, go to podcastone.study. And thank you. great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas to me so that you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. ClarkDeals.com is our bargain site. I want to talk about a bargain that I got recently that I thought I was going to have a full revolution on my hands for my family. We were flying recently and the fares were extremely high on the trip we were taking because it was on the eve of the Easter holiday weekend. And the fares were in the stratosphere. It might as well have been. So I checked fares on Southwest, fares on Delta, and found this deal on Spirit that was such a screaming deal, it was hard to believe for four people. Spirit was $600 cheaper than Southwest for the four of us. Not per person, but total for four. And it was $1,300 cheaper than Delta. This was for a one-way flight, by the way. And so that was after... I paid baggage charges, made sure everybody was well hydrated and bought snacks in the terminal, and we bought nothing on the plane, paid $8 for seat assignments, paid $40 to check one check bag. We normally don't check bags, but we piled our stuff for a a four-day trip into one carry-on bag, one regular bag, and there was some griping about that. And then at Costco, before, because I've flown Allegiant and Spirit before, I had gotten this uh, bag that 
Costco sells from time to time that is a micro carry-on that fits under the seat in front of you, and you don't pay a fee for it. So my son had a backpack. My wife had this big satchel that met the carry-on rule for free. And then uh, my daughter and I each had the little micro carry-on. So we had the one check bag and the rest. So we just had to rethink how we traveled. But think about the savings. $1,300 saved for a one-way flight versus Delta. $600 saved versus a one-way flight on Southwest. I just felt we had to do it. And they were all primed to be furious at me. But the experience was fine. And the latest data, Spirit is the second most complained about airline in the country after Frontier, which wins the prize as the most complained about airline. But our experience was perfect. And as I've said with discount airlines, with the deep discount airlines, the hard discounters in Europe and here and in Asia, that when everything works fine, it works fine. When something goes wrong, well, it's a real hassle. But the savings were such that, to me, there wasn't a decision to make. And what's happening with air travel in the United States is it's dividing into three categories. There are, and this is funny, it's like a rule of threes. We have three full fare airlines left in the United States, American United and Delta, We have three hard discounters in the United States, Frontier, Allegiant, and Spirit. And then we have the mid-price airlines, which are Southwest, JetBlue, Alaska, and Hawaiian. I don't think I missed anybody. And people are gravitating to more and more the market share is moving from the three full fare airlines to everybody else in little teeny pieces, it's moving away. And that is a direct threat to the business models of American United and Delta. So they are instituting what's known as basic economy, which is I hate myself class. And so basic economy even when you go to buy it, American United and Delta tell you, we are going to make your life miserable if you buy this ticket. Don't buy it unless you're happy being miserable. Those are my words, not theirs. But all they do is tell you what they're not going to do for you and what you're not going to have if you buy their basic economy. And just know that they're doing those because of the weaknesses they're seeing in their marketplace with the mid-price carriers and the deep discounters. Josh joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Josh, you were recently flying on one of the three full fare airlines, not United, and you got bumped from your flight. What happened? Thanks, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so this past weekend, it was a very strange incident. Uh, I was flying from Orlando back to Philadelphia where I go to school, 
uh, with my tennis team. And uh, when I arrived at the airport, uh, the flight was initially 30 minutes delayed. Um, and I also, when I checked in, I did not have a seat assignment. Um, the rest of my team did. Um, so I, when I went to the gate, um, they assured me that I get a seat. Um, the flight was then on time and no longer delayed. Um, and sure enough, they put me in first class. Um, so I wait. You went from first... no seat to first class. That's right. That's I right. like this uh, story she, so far. It's, it's, it was a great story up until this point. Uh, she was telling me that she wanted to hold off and giving me a seat so that I could be upgraded. Um, and sure enough, she put me in first class. Um, and I was with a friend of mine in first class. And then while I was on the plane waiting to take off, um, um, they started making an announcement asking anybody if they would take $500 to get the plane. Um, and then a few minutes later, the flight attendant who gave me the uh, first-class ticket uh, with a boarding pass and my name on it came up to me and asked if I was with a group. I said yes. A few minutes later, she came back again um, and asked if I could come with her. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I figured maybe she was going to move me to the back of the plane where I should have been. Um, so I got up and... Um, before I realized that they wanted to deplane me, um, a family who I suppose was standing around, who they boarded too many people onto the plane, um, they then, flight attendants, put them into my seat, um, and they proceeded to ask me to leave the plane. Um, it was a very strange incident. Um, um, a friend of mine on the team offered to take uh, my place um, because they had they I had class the next day and they did not. Um, but I guess what I wanted to ask you is, um, what were my rights in this incident? Um, it just seems so. So the airline's first responsibility is to ask for volunteers. If they don't get volunteers, they can do what's called involuntarily deny you, and then the rules for compensation are set out in federal law. Now the the delay that you took to get home when they grabbed you and took you off that well they didn't grab you they told you to come off the plane i don't want to make it sound like it's united again so they have you come off the plane how much delay did you have getting to philadelphia um we were delayed about 45 minutes um i never stepped foot off the plane because i said i didn't feel comfortable stepping off the plane without knowing what was going on um once my friend offered to go instead um, they took my ticket and ripped off the end of it. Um, I suppose to invalidate it. Okay, so then they you came off the plane. How much delay did you have, though? So you came on a different flight from Orlando to Philadelphia. No, so I stayed on the flight and I I took uh, a teammate's place. Oh, so, so you ended up office. being able to fly. You sat in their seat. You made it. So your teammate, did. what did they give your teammate for leaving the plane? Um, they gave them compensation. They offered a thousand dollars cash. Um, to my knowledge, uh, they did. Um, they gave them the money. They gave them more. Wow. I, I don't believe. I don't. I, I don't. Believe, I don't know if they gave them more, but I know that they compensated them. All right. So, other than the fact that they too quickly jumped the gun and pulled you off the plane, it played out like it should have. They gave the amount of money they needed to to get somebody to voluntarily come off the plane, and that's what they should do. Now, the reason airlines have involuntarily pulled people off the planes 
and apparently was United's clear policy because it's cheaper because the rules have never been updated and the compensation that airlines are required by law to pay if they involuntarily pull you off a plane, the compensation is so tiny, so puny, that the economic incentive right now is for an airline to pull you off a plane rather than ask for volunteers. Can I ask, um, why did they single me out? So when so, her explanation was that I was the second to last standby passenger on the plane. Exactly. So All right, so an airline is allowed to set whatever policy they want. Either they go for the cheapest person, cheapest ticket on the plane, because then the compensation they have to pay is so teensy tiny because it's a multiple of the fare you mm. pay. Sure. Or they may say people who who did not have seat assignments originally, they're the ones we're going to pull off first. They can do it however they want. They just have to have a policy. But the thing is from the United fiasco is that the only thing airlines should do is either do what JetBlue does, which is they don't overbook flights, or they should do what Delta has just done, which is now they will pay as much as they have to to get a volunteer to give up his or her seat on a flight. So what wow. happened to you, you're kind of caught in a twilight zone where the airline really hasn't gotten it together yet bureaucratically after everything that went wrong at United. But your yeah, rights was... are very specific under the law. Um, generally, if you were on... Do you know how much your ticket was from Orlando to Philadelphia? It was about $300. So they would have probably had to compensate you 600 bucks, Cheaper than what they were offering to your friend. That's correct. So it's a straight formula. And under certain conditions, they don't have to pay you anything and can pull you off involuntarily. The system is a stacked deck against you as a customer, and it's just because the rules are so antiquated. But the way I've looked at this all through the years is I want to volunteer usually. And I remember, I mean, there's so many circumstances where I've volunteered that I've hit the bonanza, I've hit the mother load. One time I gave up my seats on a flight to Europe, and I got upgraded on a later flight from coach to business class, and I got compensation that was enough that I was able to buy another trip to Europe with that compensation. So worth it, except we ended up 12 hours delayed getting to our destination. Still worth it. Another time, I ended up getting home a day, a full day later in return for getting five free tickets. And I, those are the two best I've had, but I've had any of a number in between those, those situations that have made it worth it to be a volunteer. If you have flexibility in your plans, be part of the let's make a deal. But one thing I'll tell you, when you volunteer, one request you should always ask is if I volunteer and you later raise compensation, will I get the higher compensation you later offer or only the initial that you offered to me? What you always want is you want what the last person they have to buy off the plane, you want what they get. Melody is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Melody. Hello, 
Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Melody. So you want to ask me about something I've only had just a relative handful of questions about over the last year, ABLE accounts. Yes. Yes, I do. My daughter's seventh birthday is next week, and we need to plan for her future. Um, She happens to have special needs, specifically Down syndrome, and she's doing really great. And we're looking forward to helping her become as independent as she can be for when she's older. However, a college savings plan may be risky. Um, So I had gone to our state Down Syndrome Congress convention last year and heard a lot about ABLE accounts because they're relatively new, as well as special needs trusts. So I had gone to your website because I researched everything through you to see what you recommend, and I was surprised that I couldn't find anything. Well, I apologize because I had said last month when I had another call about ABLE's that we would put ABLE information on Clark.com, and we messed up. But I will tell you, there's a great guide to ABLES at savingforcollege.com, which I know is weird because these aren't for college, but uh, they're a cousin of 529 plans. So if you go to savingforcollege.com and you put in the search box 529 ABLE, you'll see what's available there. And what they've done is so great. They show um, the expenses on the ABLE accounts, and how you access the money. These accounts, you're allowed to put up to $14,000 a year in them. They should be the first step you do before you do a trust for a special needs child. Because the costs on these, the lowest cost plans, cost you as little as one-fifth of 1% per year. Wow. And regardless of where you live, you live in Connecticut, Yes. Connecticut doesn't offer an ABLE plan yet, but there are many other right. states that do that allow money from someone from any other state. So you'll have a okay. lot of options available to you on it. And with the flexibility of being able to put up to the 14000 each year, if you don't need the money, but instead much later in life for your child, it's the perfect way to build up tax-free money. Hi, I'm Clay Smith, host of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews, the podcast for book lovers interested in interviews with best-selling authors, insider scoop on the hottest releases, reading ideas for book clubs and bibliophiles, and even tips about which books to skip altogether. So be sure to download new episodes of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews every Tuesday. You can get it on the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. Clark.com is our web address. Clarkdeals.com, our site for bargains for your wallet. We're talking about something that has suddenly become a bargain again. That is mortgages, and the rates are headed still lower from where they sit today. So what's going on is there was a run-up in the interest rate that directly affects mortgages. The 10-year treasury is the key determinant of what you pay for a 15-year or 30-year mortgage. And that interest rate has dropped roughly half a point 
in the last several weeks. Mortgage rates have only dropped typically a quarter point in the last several weeks. Lenders are trying to hold on as hard as they can to additional profit on writing mortgages. But the mortgage market has softened. And if you are someone who may potentially benefit from doing a refinance, you are going to find that you are completely in the driver's seat. I was looking at what one of the credit unions I'm a member of is charging today for uh, 30-year and 15-year loans. They're writing the 15-year ones with no points at 3.125%. The 30 years at 4. The spread getting back to where it's nearly a point, much higher than historical for a spread between 15 and 30. The reason for that spread is that the marketplace is now discounting inflation in the shorter term, but expecting more inflation in the longer term. And that's why you get a bigger spread than historical between 15 and 30 year, which means that doing a refi, if you can handle the payments on a 15-year loan or buying a house, if you can afford the payments on a 15-year loan, it will be very much to your advantage to go with the 15 because you're paying such a relatively measly interest rate to do so. There are people, if you go back over the last few years, that were getting mortgages, 30-year mortgages in the threes, and 15-year mortgages in the twos. So we're still talking higher than those numbers. But based on the math, we're likely to see, for people with good credit, the 30-year loans, if the 10-year Treasury stays in the general territory it is, we'll see 30-year loans drop to roughly maybe 3.75%, and the 15-year loans drop to 2.875%. And that, again, that should be clear that we've moved there in the next week to two weeks. If you look at the lowest rate quotes being quoted today, they're already in those two territories, so it's not like I'm stepping way out on a limb with those numbers. I know that doing a mortgage refi is a pain. I can't sugarcoat that. The paperwork you're required to provide, the documentation you have to supply, is no fun. But the benefit every month going forward of having a lower payment and less of your money going to pay some bank interest and instead you're building equity? What a deal. Caleb is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Caleb. Hi. How are you doing? Oh, good. How about you today? Great, thank you. Caleb, you want to talk about building a solid financial future. What's your status? What's your deal? Well, I have, uh, with a previous employer, um, that possibly after I graduate college or um, through co-ops or something like that, I might go back to 
in in the future, but I have a 401k with them for approximately $500 right now. And I kind of wanted to start maybe looking into doing a Roth. And so right now, I think I could do, I looked at your website, maybe some of the cheaper start with $100 ones. Okay, but like my question, like at Schwab, um, is that what you're thinking about? Or yes, yeah. Okay, so you're a teenager then. Yes. Okay, because I think if you're not a teenager, you have to have more money to start an account at Schwab. Okay. Wow. So wait, wait, wait. I gotta, I gotta process what you said. You're working. You're going to college. And you're trying to save money all at the same time. Yes. Fantastic. And how do you do this mix? Are you going to school full-time and working part-time? Are you going to uh, school part-time, uh, working full-time? Like, what's your... I uh, I go to school full-time at a uh, branch campus that was near home, so I commute uh, 20 minutes, and then I have a part-time job where i with them they're flexible enough to let me work 20 hours and so that that does pretty well for me wow good for you you know that's how i went through school is working and and going to school and i think it's one of the best things that happened to me i miss some of the fun of campus life but it sure started my whole work life off a whole different way because at a time i was going through college at a time of very high unemployment in the united states and i had such a leg up on my fellow college students because i worked while i was in school and i never had a difficult time finding work as a result because i had so much experience when i graduated from school so that should do a lot for you so you're thinking now of, with the 20-hour-a-week money, what you can afford to put into a Roth, and I love that. What are you thinking of right. putting it in at Schwab? Um, I haven't looked into it uh, a whole lot. Just trying, like, I'm just at the, at the starting grounds and wanting to see what you could recommend. And then also whether or not, if I, you know... Uh, the possibility of taking that money out of my 401k and adding that, and maybe I can go up to that next step uh, of starting at, you know, maybe a thousand dollars. Well, you know, if you, if you're eligible at Schwab to just go ahead and get started, the 401k you have, you're, you are not working for that employer anymore. You still are. I am not. Okay. So that money you can move and you could do a transfer and you want to do it straight from them to Schwab or Vanguard or wherever you want to put it, if you put it at Schwab, my favorite thing for you to start the account with is the Schwab Broad Market ETF. Okay. And I don't know if I have that on my guide, but that's uh, Schwab has a number of branded funds that are like index funds, but they trade as what's known as an ETF instead of a fund makes no difference to you it just allows you to go in commission free at incredibly low cost okay and that would be a great roth to start off and start building from 
All right. So congratulations good. to you. That is that is great that you have such motivation. And I'm gathering because you're going local, you're commuting to school, you're working, you're not going to have to take out any meaningful dollar amount of student loans? Um, I have uh, very small loans. They're um, federal, unsubsidized loans, unfortunately, but they uh, I'll only, by the time I graduate, and then of course, paying them off a little bit through work, and then especially once I get co-ops, I'll only have maximum maybe twenty thousand. Okay, and I that's graduate. a that's a perfectly manageable amount of student loan debt to graduate with. So good for you, and I want to wish you continued success, Caleb. Great stuff. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. Hey, Clark. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, John. You have a question that uh, fits in with what I've talked about with Amica. What's going on with Amica that um, you're trying to think about doing with them? Well, at your suggestion, I was shopping my car insurance, and uh, Amica is very uh, looks really good. But for some reason, on my other insurance, I was uh, carrying roadside assistance and um they both charge about around eight dollars a month for that so i started shopping it it's for my daughter who goes back and forth to college about 600 miles once a month or so so um you know i just want to make sure she she's covered and i found uh, but i was concerned i always thought that what you said about the um May, even talking to an insurance company is going to count against you, even though they say, no, 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 it doesn't. I don't even want to call them for rock chips. Right. I am with you, and I don't call them about anything, that because unless I have to make a claim, I don't want them hearing from me and deciding that I've made a claim simply by a phone call. And you're bringing something up that you took words right out of my mouth, John, is that there are some insurers that if you buy roadside assistance from them and you call for a tow, they put you in the insurance industry database as having made a claim that clobbers you if you're ever going to shop for insurance or anything like that. And so you are now an Amica insured or you're thinking of changing to them? I'm thinking of changing to them. So I was just trying to compare apples to apples and drop that. So I started shopping it, and I found my cell phone carrier uh, actually offers it for two ninety nine a month, and it follows the phone. Whoever, If you have that phone, whatever car you're in is covered, but it's only good for $50 a claim, and I don't know if that's worth anything. 50 is, is going to do a little bit if uh, you were to have a significant... Uh, emergency visit, whatever you call it, roadside assistance visit, it would likely way outrun that 50. So I'm not sure that that's worth it, really, because you're still talking about uh, $36 a year. The odds that you'll use it um, as often as even once a year, unlikely. So I wouldn't say that that's even a good value. You know, I'll tell you something weird, John. I'm a member of AAA, And I can't remember the last time I ever called for emergency road service. And for me, the reason I've always been a member is because I travel so much, I get 
the AAA discount sometimes at hotels or various places that's made it worth it to cover the membership for me. But I've never had it for roadside. That's never been why I've been a member. And, you know, they, they have a tight cap on how many roadside calls you can have per year. And if you exceed whatever they consider the cap to be in a local AAA, they kick you out. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's always was kind of the default. Like we grew up with that. It was kind of like you just joined AAA because that was that's what we did. And I always kind of used it for uh, the discounts. I didn't find as effective because there were so many other ways to get those discounts for hotels and things. But I always liked the maps. But now that's kind of gone by the way. So the trip ticks and all that. Kind right, of stuff. right. Oh, you're you're going back to the analog era with trip ticks. <laughs> so. I I would say that unless you're worried about having to lay out a lot of cash all at once for a tow or something like that, this is one of those areas that doing what the euphemism is self-insure is probably yeah. the best choice, where you just pay for it when it happens. Yes, yes. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Because the numbers just don't really make it a compelling thing to join a roadside assistance program. And I, I'm thinking about your points you brought up with AAA, but I, I think I still get enough discounts from that have made it worth it for me to pay the money that I pay them per year, which is 80-some-odd dollars now to be a AAA member. But if I were you, getting it from your own automobile insurer – is generally too high a risk, not worth it. Dustin is with us. Hello, Dustin. I'm glad to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. And I guess congratulations are in order? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Why am I congratulating you? Share it with your fellow listener. Well, Clark, I recently got engaged, and um, I want to uh, touch base with you and see if you had any recommendations on jewelry insurance. I want to make sure that we're uh, protected uh, as long as we have the piece of jewelry. Okay, and can I ask how much the engagement ring was? It, the appraisal value was 54000 What? <laughs> Wait a minute. So, so you have, don't already have insurance on a ring that much money? You're scaring uh, me. No, sir, I sure don't. Okay, so do you own a home or are you a renter? I'm a renter right now. Do you have renter's insurance? Yes, sir. So if you contact the company that you have renter's insurance with, okay, they can sell you a supplemental policy or schedule that ring because okay. it has to be a stated, separate, insured item. Ah, okay. And, and with a ring that expensive, I would get the stone, what's known as mapped. Okay. Are you familiar with uh, diamond mapping? No, sir. So a graduate gemologist can put that stone under a microscope and draw an exact description of that diamond so that if it ever was lost, stolen, damaged, whatever, you can get it replaced with something of equivalent quality. Without it being mapped, the insurers are very difficult to deal with on replacing an expensive stone. Oh, okay. Okay. 
So did you buy your renter's insurance from a company you call a toll-free number or from an agent? From a local agent. Great. Call the local agent, tell them what you need to insure, and they'll get it done for you. I got to tell you, insuring an expensive diamond is not cheap, but it's 100% absolutely, completely worth it to do so. And does your bride-to-be like other nice jewelry as well? Yes, sir. I'm I'm sure she does. All right. So as you acquire additional nice pieces of jewelry, you need to inform the agent to add those to the schedule of jewelry also so they will be covered. Congratulations to you and your bride-to-be. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. I'm John Horn. I'm the host of Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. I'm here with our very first guest, Rain Wilson. Hi, John. It looks like I'm the first guest on the Geffen Unclothed. Unscripted. Unscripted. Yeah, let's go with that. A marriage made in heaven, I guess. Or Westwood. Tune in for some of our exciting upcoming guests. David Copperfield, Neil LaBute, Neil Patrick Harris, Josh Gad, Rita Wilson, and many more. Be sure to download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app and on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. And, and I'm Rain Wilson, the first guest. You are no, the very this, first guest. This was a huge uh, mistake. Stephen Playhouse Unscripted. Huge mistake. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, he never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like, kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.